Good morning, everybody, and happy Father's Day to you fathers. And uh, we're going to gather today. We're going to spend some time in worship together, and we can uh, kind of celebrate our fathers at the same time, but especially we'll celebrate the one father. But uh, stand with us. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul. And worship his holy name. I sing like never before. Oh, my soul. I'll worship your holy name. Sun comes up. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh, oh my soul. I worship your holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love, you're rich in love, and you're slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship Your holy name. the Lord and bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name 
and sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy
Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember, redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I myself I belong to you oh lead me lead me to the cross you were as I you were as I tempted and
say thank you lord we worship you and you did pay our ransom and uh we're here this morning to just to recognize you and lift you up and praise you and we're gathered as your people in this church in this community and we thank you for every gift we thank you for the fathers in our lives and we thank you for all the people around us and again for this community in particular lord bless us today and Open our hearts and minds to each other and to your word in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Good morning again, everybody, and happy Father's Day again to the fathers. And uh, please take a minute and say hello to some people around you. Day. That's a special day for your father, and you don't want to represent him. <laughs> and you don't want to say Happy Father's Day. I said Happy Father's Day to my dad to represent him, and you don't want to represent your daddy. That's being ugly to your dad. No, I'm going to tell him Happy Father's Day, but I want you to tell him too. No, that's weird. We ain't sisters. Ain't pulling you. Yeah, y'all are sisters. Y'all could tell each other happy Father's Day to your daddy. But I ain't going to, because that's not my fault. <laughs> my papa. <laughs> you didn't want to say happy Father's Day to someone who's not my father. It's my papa and not my father. So that is two different things. That's two different things. It's my mom is father 
and it's my papa. So if my mom would have married him, <laughs> that would have been my father. That was mama's father. Mm-mm, Hadley, that is not the same thing. <laughs> See, uh, what Father's Day is for is for all men who are fathers. See, like I call my friends on father... Uh-oh, she ain't going with this? Okay. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know they were going to channel my people up there. Those are my... I ain't going to... I'm like, oh, I'm back in Mississippi. Oh. Welcome. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, I've not called my dad yet, but I'm going to write it on my hand, so I do it as soon as I leave. Ah, this past week... Doesn't it feel like summertime? Did you just feel like walking around like this all day? It's so hot. I love it. Talk about feeling like you're in Mississippi. They, I called those people, and they were like, girl, 85, 90, that's not hot. Like, come down here in 100-degree complete humidity. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a wimp. I've become a Maronite. I love it. Last week here at church, we had our hero day camp. We're going to show you a cute little picture of them. Look at those guys. Aren't they so cute? So thank you so much to all of the people who came out and um, helped with the camp. It was really fun. And we have a list of all the grown-ups who helped with us. Give us that next slide, please. There's, look at all of those grown-ups. Are you kidding me? Thank you. And we also have a list of all of the youth that helped with this. Look at this. So there was a lot of work that, put into, that was put into this camp, but um, it was not a one-pony show. So thank you to all of those guys for doing that. And it's not too late to sign up to help for the, with the sports camp that's starting next week. So if you love sports and you love Jesus and you love children, or if you can tolerate sports and you love Jesus and you can tolerate children, come on out and help with the sports camp for next week. It's a chance for kids to come, they learn a specific, specific um, sport, and then they have a lot of fun, and they learn about Jesus, and um, connect those too. So um, go to the website if you wanna help. I personally, I was talking to a friend, my 70-year-old friend the other day, and I was like, yeah, they're having sports camp next week. We had um, day camp last week. I can't do either one because I'm still teaching. I'm doing summer school, and, you know, and I was like, rah, rah, I can't do it, blah, blah. And she, she totally schooled me because she was like, think out of the box, Rebecca. Like, you can't be there personally, but do they need cookies? Can you take juice? Like, what else can you do? And I was like, oh, no excuses, people. Let's think out of the box help with sports camp. So um, it's on the website, though, to see what they need and what all is going to go on. Today's your day to sign up for that. Today's also the last day. Wait a minute. One more thing. Before I continue, because I forgot to say hi, my name is Rebecca. 
And I forgot to say that these prayer cards are in the back of your chair. And I'm looking around, I feel like everybody here I've seen before, so everybody should already know about these prayer cards. But what I want to say to you is I'm on the prayer chain um, weekly that like I get these prayers and I pray for them and I often add to these prayer um, cards. I know who doesn't add to them and certainly there's stuff going on in your life. So grab this right now and while I continue to ramble, go ahead and fill that out because we'll, you can put them in the offering basket when it comes by. So that being said. Um, today's the last day to sign up uh, to go on the vision trip that we're doing with our partners, Plant With Purpose. So we're going to take a vision trip. It is September 18th through the 22nd. And uh, it's really to go down. We're going to visit. Not I say we. That's another thing where I'm like, I'm in school. I can't do that. So now I'm like, think out of the box. What can you do? Um, they're going to go down, they're going to visit the village that we have been supporting, um, Tremetina, and uh, they're, they're going to like go and see what Plant With Purpose does. Plant With Purpose, um, they do economic development, they do environmental development, and they do spiritual development, and it's a really cool thing that they're doing. They're helping people kind of get a leg up and teaching them, and then they're like in control of their own thing, so they're doing it themselves on the ground. So today is the last day to sign up. Is it today's the last day, or this is the last week? This is the last day, yeah, so go ahead and sign up for that. And then my very last announcement that I'm so very, very, very excited about is our very own dear Kate Pepper, who I do not see today. Is she here? No, I called her out on that. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. Kate wrote a book, and the book is called Dipped in Black Water. She said her next book's going to be Dipped in Dark Chocolate. But... <laughs> Dipped in Black Water, and our other partner, Creative Interfaces, is going to host um, a, a book coming out party for her on July 1st. It's going to be from 1.30 to 3 o'clock, and it's going to be at the Cedar House. The Cedar House is down there on um, 5th Street. It's 1637 5th Street. Um, Kate's book was nominated and she won, so she was awarded the New Women's Voices chat book. Um, and, and so I know you guys will all want to go and support her. I'm very proud of her. I love that. So July 1st. Okay, recap. Awesome summer camp last week. Sign up for summer camp next week. Go to Tremetina and July 1st. Got it? Awesome. Okay. So let us um, pray, and then we will go ahead and take our offering. I know all of you guys have been crazily, oh no, crazily scribbling out these prayer cards. Get ready to put those in the offering basket when it comes around, along with all your money. <laughs> Maybe not all of it, but um, join me in prayer. Father, I love so much that you are a God of joy and... Um, and that you give us a reason to laugh, that you give us a reason in crazy worlds to um, look up and trust and walk faithfully with a smile on our face, even when things are hard. Thank you for loving us and choosing us, and I pray that we will be 
sensitive to your spirit and your voice in our world so that we can grow and be more like you daily. Amen. Way better than Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, good morning. Ah, oh, thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. My dad's here. Happy Father's Day, Dad. He came all the way from Michigan just to, for me to say Happy Father's Day publicly. So. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians 4. Let's pray together and we'll jump in. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for a day to celebrate fathers. Thank you, God, for another opportunity to get to explore this sacred text, uh, the scriptures. God, give us eyes to see this morning and ears to hear and hearts to understand that we might turn even more towards you and experience your healing presence in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus, everyone said. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, this week and next, we're wrapping up the Philippians series. And we're going to jump right into Philippians 4, verse 10, where Paul is wrapping up this letter. He's been writing to the Philippians. He wrote this letter in the first century while he was sitting in a Roman prison. And uh, he uses a lot of language of joy in this letter, which seems ironic given that he's sitting in prison, and yet he is experiencing joy. And once again, we see it here, verse 10, chapter 4, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. That's what Paul keeps coming back to. His joy isn't something that he's able to find and discover himself. His joy isn't something that he contrives or manufactures. His joy is rooted in a person, and that person is a divine person. That person is the true Lord of the universe, Jesus. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So Paul is uh, beginning to return to something he hinted at at the beginning of the letter, which was thanking them for the gift they had sent. They had sent him aid. They had sent him money. They were providing for his needs. And he says, he, he's rejoicing 
in the Lord that they have renewed their concern for him. Now, this word concern and concerned, next slide, uh, both of those words are the word phroneo, which is a word we've seen over and over and over again in this letter. We see it translated here, concern and concerned. It's translated other places, think. It's translated other places, feel. It's, the, it, it, it's this word that we don't have an adequate translation for in English. That's why the translators are all over the map with how they translate it, depending on the context in which Paul is saying it. It's this holistic way of thinking, feeling, and acting in the world. And so the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act, that's your phroneo. And Paul had been very clear with them that there is a phroneo that we are encouraged to embody. In Philippians 2, he says, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset or phroneo as Christ Jesus. In other words, the way you think the way you feel, the way you act, let it be like Christ, who had all power, all glory, and gave it up to become one of us, to become a servant, and ultimately to give up his life for the sake of the world. This is the kind of phroneo that we're invited into, the way of thinking, feeling, and acting that is like Christ, giving ourselves up for the sake of the world. And so Paul is grateful for their phroneo towards him. He's saying, you, you are thinking, feeling, and acting towards me the way Christ thinks, feels, and acts towards us. The Philippians, many of them who were living in poverty, gave out of their poverty to Paul to help provide for him. Paul says, this, this is sacrificial love. This is self-giving love that you would do this. And then he says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, Paul has said some pretty profound things in this letter. This is another one of those really profound things, given his circumstances. He says, I, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. He's in prison and he's content. You're not in prison. Are you content? Are you content with your life? Are you content with the way things are going in your life? Are you content in your life? Paul says, I've learned to be content in any circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. There was a time in Paul's life where he probably had plenty, more than enough. He, he was a Pharisee. He was well-respected in the world of Judaism. And uh, when he chose to follow Jesus, he lost all of that. He lost his status. He lost his position. And he probably lost uh, a, a significant income because he chose to follow Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, 
whom many had rejected as the Messiah. And so Paul, as we learned earlier in chapter 3, he says, whatever were gains to me, whatever those past gains were, the plenty I had, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. And Paul says, I am content with that. Now, Paul is taking uh, from the idea of uh, Stoic philosophy in his day. Notice uh, what Seneca said back in, uh, if I can have the next slide. There it is. Seneca said, the happy man is content with his present lot, no matter what it is, and is reconciled to his circumstances. So Seneca was saying basically the same thing Paul was saying. Whatever the circumstances, you can find contentment. You have to just accept reality, and you can find contentment. Now here's where Paul upends Stoic philosophy. Stoic philosophy said... Whatever your circumstances, you can be content. Just find that contentment within yourself. Uh, Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. For Paul, the contentment is rooted and grounded in God, who gives him the strength and the capacity to be content no matter the circumstance. So contentment is not something, just like joy, it's not something you find out there and, and grab. It's not something that you can just derive from within yourself. There is the Holy Spirit living within you that gives you the capacity to be content no matter the circumstances. I, I would simply invite you and myself, whenever we find ourselves complaining, whenever we find ourselves not content, uh, what would it like be like to turn that into prayer? Just like we talked about be anxious for nothing but in everything, pray. Uh, what would it be like when we find ourselves in a place where we're not content? to offer that to God and ask God for his strength to make us content no matter the circumstances. Paul has tapped into something that I think most of us have not fully tapped into, this capacity to be content no matter the circumstances. Uh, Paul lost everything to gain Christ. Uh, many scholars believe Paul was married at one time, and it's clear that as he writes these letters, he's not married. Some scholars believe his, his wife left him because of the path he had chosen. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it's a likely possibility uh, that Paul has chosen this path of Jesus, and others who were close to him in his life did not choose that path and walked away. Uh, Paul says, I, I've, I've learned this secret, this secret of being content, and it's rooted and grounded in Christ. Verse 14, he says, It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, 
Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot going on here. Uh, this, this language of giving and receiving was a commercial transactional language uh, in Greco-Roman culture. It, it was common in relationships as well. So I just, I want to summarize uh, kind of what I, what I studied this past week on this idea in Greco-Roman culture of giving and receiving. So starting with the next slide, the language of giving and receiving was quite common in the Greco-Roman world. The giving of a gift or favor can establish a relationship. If that gift is accepted and reciprocated, then a lasting relationship is formed. Failure to accept a gift can result in resentment. Receiving a gift obliges the receiver to reciprocate in word or deed. So if you are given a gift, it's expected that you'll give a gift back, or if you can't give a gift back, that in some way you will reciprocate through your friendship, and through how you hold that person in honor and in status. In fact, the counter-gift itself serves to express gratitude for the initial gift. A gift-giver is socially superior to the recipient, so reciprocation maintains the status of each party. To grow in status, one must exceed in giving. Issues of giving and receiving gifts are directly related to issues of the relative power and status of the parties involved. And so there's this expectation. You give a gift, you get something in return. Uh, if I give you something, you should give me something in return. If I recognize you or acknowledge you, you should recognize me or acknowledge me. I, I know this is 2,000 years ago. Nothing like, we don't function like this today. But it, if you can just wrap your mind around this idea of giving and receiving that Paul is addressing here, because the Philippians have given uh, sacrificially to Paul, and Paul can't repay that. Uh, and, and so Paul has to do something here, and he turns this whole thing on its head. Uh, next slide. Paul upends all of that here. Paul substantially alters conventions regarding reci reciprocity and the relative status of giver and receiver. Since the dominant culture, the dominant culture of Paul's day, sees giving and receiving in such particular ways, Paul must realign thinking in a Christ-focused context. This is a giving and receiving as displayed by Christ in Philippians 2, 6 through 4. So we return again to Philippians 2 because it's the central element of this letter where Paul is saying the dominant culture views giving and receiving in one way. As a Christ follower, we see it differently. It's the way of Jesus who just constantly gives of himself knowing we can't ever 
pay back that gift. Ultimately, giving of his life for our sake, knowing we can never pay that gift back. Paul says it's, it's the same way in your relationships with one another. If you give to someone, don't expect anything in return. Uh, we, we live this way often of believing, believing that uh, if someone gives us something, we, we owe them. There, there's this sense of guilt if we don't pay it back. If someone has us over for dinner, there's kind of this sense, oh, we need to have them over for dinner. Uh, if someone gives us something, there's kind of a sense, oh, we, we got to give them something back. Paul says, no, that, that's not the way it is in Christ-focused relationships. Uh, if I can have the next slide. B.C. and A.C. Um, before kids and after kids. Ch before children and after children. Uh, anyone know what I'm talking about? Um, Jenna and I, it was nine years before we had children. Before we had children, we always had people living in our house with us. There were always people living in our house. At least one, if not two, people always living in our house with us. Uh, after children, child number one, uh, no one lived, well, that's not true. We did have a couple people live with us for a couple of months at a time. But it, it was very short term. Whereas before, we, we had people live with us for years at a time. Uh, and so there was this sense of, man, what, this, this hospitality we used to extend to people who needed a place to stay, we're not extending any longer. And now we're extending that to our own children. And, and we had to wrestle with that, knowing that part of our heart was to extend this kind of hospitality and invite people into our home. But it just wasn't working for us any longer. Uh, and then we had two kids, and we had three kids, and it was like we always loved having people over into the home and having a meal together. And uh, it, it began to get less and less with, with each kid. Uh, and, and then it, it was before four and after four. Uh, three and a half years ago when we had our fourth child, it just, like, Jenna and I made a decision, we, we can't do this. And uh, we, like, cleaning the house and prepping a meal and all this stuff with all kids running around like crazy. And we had to make a decision, and uh, we'd feel guilty about it sometimes, that we couldn't physically, mentally, and emotionally uh, continue to extend the kind of hospitality that we used to. Uh, and this was a very difficult decision for us that we had to make, but... It was recognizing that this is a season in our lives where we need to invest in our children, these young ones, and we don't have the capacity to continue to do what we once did. And to, uh, to acknowledge that and to recognize um, in... in Christ-shaped relationships, if we're invited over to someone's house and we don't reciprocate right now, we can't carry that guilt around. 
If someone else feels that towards us, that that's their issue, not ours. And so all that to say there are seasons of life you experience. And what Paul is getting at is uh, if you are in relationships based on reciprocity, it's not healthy. It's, it, we have these scorecards that we carry around with us. I did this for you, and you haven't done that for me yet. Uh, in, in marriages, if you have a scorecard, something is deeply wrong. It doesn't work, and it's not the gospel. Uh, we are called to give of ourselves to others. In your friendships, in your relationships, in your church community, if you have a scorecard, something is wrong. The way Jesus invited us to live is completely different than the dominant culture that keeps a scorecard. Uh, next slide. When we get trapped in a transactional, reciprocal way of viewing the world, I do for you, you do for me, we grow resentment, and it's simply not the gospel. Next slide. The moment our relationships move to transaction and reciprocity, something is deeply wrong. Uh, Paul is saying to the Philippians, you gave sacrificially, and I'm sitting in a Roman prison cell, and I, I can't repay, but let me tell you something. I, I have received payment, full payment, and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are, and Paul doesn't say, they are a fragrant offering to me. Uh, they, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, Paul said they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to who? To God. Uh, when you give of yourself to someone else, it is a fragrant offering, a pleasing sacrifice to God. When you give financially, it is a fragrant offering, a pleasing sacrifice to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, giving is not about then receiving. Paul says, let, let me take issue with this idea of giving and receiving in the dominant culture. It looks different as a Christ follower. There is no scorecard. Because if there was a scorecard, what happens when, when we allow ourselves to buy into the dominant culture's view of the scorecard, then we begin to view God that way. And God has a scorecard. And we just constantly owe God. Or sometimes when we give, 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 and do, 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 we begin to think God owes us. We got this scorecard. Hey, God, look at what I've done. My scorecard's, 
My score is pretty high, God. Uh, what? What's going on here? Uh, we, we get these twisted views of God that there's a scorecard in the sky. And it's simply not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God became a man and gave his life for us and conquered death so that we might experience abundant life right here and in the life to come. Uh, we're invited to flip this idea of reciprocity on its head and be a different kind of people in the world. Um, I've shared this poem with you before, but I want to share it again because I think it's so powerful. Hafez says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. Uh, there, there is no you owe me from God to us. And God invites us into that kind of relationship with one another. Where when we do something for someone else, or when we give financially, or when we give of ourselves for the sake of others, there is no you owe me. Uh, when we give, we're invited to give with joy. Uh, there's this, uh, drawn out of the Hebrew scriptures, there's this historic understanding. Uh, and what, what Paul's really getting after here in terms of money is this historic understanding of tithing. And the Hebrew scriptures talked about 10%, 10%, 10%. Uh, the problem with that, if we lock ourselves into this one way of viewing giving, then it becomes legalistic. Instead, if we embody this way of joy that Jesus teaches us and that Paul has been writing, we recognize that we get to give, we don't have to give. It's a very different way of viewing it. There's no guilt, there's no duty, there's no obligation. It's simply joy and delight and giving of ourselves in the way of Jesus. Paul wants us to see that this idea of giving and receiving, this idea of keeping a scorecard is simply not the gospel. The gospel is getting to live into this way of life that Jesus came to show us how to live, to give of ourselves without you owe me. And Paul says, this same God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You're, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be fine. You're not in a Roman prison. Uh, we're we're going to be just fine. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is where Paul 
once again points us back to where, where is this all rooted in? Not in us. It's not about us. It's about the God of glory who has more riches than we could ever imagine. Uh, when we celebrate communion each week and we take this bread and dip it in this cup, th this is what we celebrate. The God who gave of himself for us. We celebrate, we recognize, we remember that Christ, that God became a man and he gave his life for us. As we, as we take this bread, a beautiful picture of Christ's body, and dip it in the cup, a beautiful picture of Christ's blood, we remember that Christ gave up the glory of heaven and became a man. We remember that Christ gave his life on a Roman execution stake for our sakes. We remember that this same Christ conquered death and rose again. And we remember that we get to enact this way of being in the world because Jesus did it for us. So this morning, as you come and partake, I want to invite you to simply ask Christ, what are you inviting me into to give of myself in the way you gave of yourself? How are you inviting me to embody this way of being in the world the way you live this way in the world? God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, a gift we can never repay. Thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, and you showed us how much you love us, how much you are for us by coming and becoming a human and dying and rising again. God, I pray that you would fill us each with your spirit to live more and more into this joy, into this way of thinking, feeling, and acting in the world, into this way of love, this self-sacrificing, self-giving love. And may it always be for your glory. God, uh, help us erase the scorecard. Free us from the scorecard and free us to live fully alive in your kingdom as you created us to live. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Searching lies beyond the stars Those dazzling heights too vast to climb I got so high to fall so far But I found heaven as lost went down What fortune lies beyond the stars Those dazzling heights too vast to climb so high to fall so far but I found heaven as love swept low my heart beating my soul breathing I found my life when I laid it down upward falling spirit soaring I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground as you go, may you indeed find your life when you lay it down. May you find contentment in the only place it can be found, in the risen Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. <clears throat> Communion bread. <laughs>
<coughs> may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom, the very peace of Jesus that transcends all understanding. The grace and peace of Christ be yours in abundance. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>